Educate for Life on AM 1170. The answer is sponsored by educateforlife.org. is Educate for Life with Kevin Conover on AM 1170, The Answer. Educate for Life, a look at current events from today's headlines and how they affect you, what you believe shapes your worldview and your ultimate destiny. Learn more now at educateforlife.com. Now in studio, here is your host, Kevin Conover. Bring your tired and bring your shame. Bring your guilt and bring your pain. Don't you know that's not your name. You will always be much more to me. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on AM 1170, The Answer, in San Diego every Sunday from 4 to 5 p.m. You can also stream the show at am1170theanswer.com. My website is educateforlife.org. And uh, I have a very special guest in studio with us today, and I wanted to tell you a little bit about him before I bring him on the, on the air here. Uh, his name is Joel Lieberman, and Joel is a Messianic rabbi. And we'll explain a little bit more in detail about exactly what that is. But he was raised in a Messianic Jewish home. He's been a- active in the Messianic movement for 28 years. Uh, he's a, he, he holds a Bachelor of Science degree in accounting from San Diego State University. He's a certified public accountant, inactive, but he has a Master of Divinity degree, too, in ministry. And he's authored four Messianic Jewish commentary books on various New Covenant documents, and you can get those on Amazon.com if you are interested. I encourage you to check out his books, his website, um, and he is a spiritual leader at a Messianic Jewish congregation. Uh, he's written books, uh, The Acts of the Emissaries, Lifted Up Between a Pharisee and a Thief, Letters from the Rock, Letters from the Beloved, and Practical Messages on Congregational Life. His service in the Messianic movement includes terms as Vice President and Treasurer of the Young Messianic Jewish Alliance, a term as Treasurer of the Messianic Jewish Alliance of America, an additional four-year term on the MJAA Executive Committee, two years as the Treasurer of the International Messianic Jewish Alliance, and nearly four years as the Executive Director of the IMJA. He's a very uh, busy guy and very involved. Currently, he serves as the Director of Operations and Development for the International Alliance of Messianic Congregations and Synagogues, and he's serving a second two-year term on its Steering Committee. Um, he is also the spiritual leader of the Tree of Life Messianic Congregation here in San Diego, in the Rancho San Diego area, and uh, he's on staff also with Skyline Church, which I'm also a part of. And um, Joel, I just want to welcome you to the show. Thanks so much, Kevin. Boy, that is a huge bio. My head is so big, I'm not sure I'll be able to make it out of the studio <laughs> you know today. What? I want people to know who you are. Well, I appreciate um, that. And, uh, you know, for me, when I hear some of the credentials of a person, um, it helps me to listen up a little bit better, and um, I want people to listen to what you have to say this morning. Appreciate so, it very much. Yeah. Well, I want to start off, Joel, with the most important question, I think, is as a Messianic Jew, and for our audience, that is somebody who believes that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, but has, embraces their Jewish heritage, uh, the most important question, I think, is, as a Messianic Jew, when it comes time to build, you know, a worship place, do you build a church or do you build a synagogue? Well, it's interesting because, Kevin, <laughs> we have worshipped in both. We've worshipped in churches that have been very benevolent to our ministry, that just have a heart to see Jewish people come to their own Jewish Messiah. We've worshipped in synagogue buildings before. In fact, uh, a couple of buildings prior to us moving into the Skyline facility with, with yourself and Pastor Garlow, uh, we had a synagogue building, a premier synagogue in town on 69th Street in the college area. We attempted to purchase that building from the owners. They did not want to sell it to us for anything under a couple of million dollars. So uh, we, we see ourselves as, as a gesher, as a bridge, really, between between both the Christian community and the Jewish world. So we're, we're neither foul nor, nor, nor fish, really. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm kidding about that being the most important question, but I just thought it was interesting because as a Messianic Jew, um, you know, you do have the synagogues and you have the churches. So for you, it's really either or. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter so much. Is that correct? Or? Well, the Jewish, the Jewish world is really rethinking these issues about who is a Jew. In other words, the, the traditional understanding of a Jew is you can believe in anything. You can believe in Buddha and still be Jewish. You can believe in, in yoga meditation, still be Jewish. But if you believe in this Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, actually from the root, the Hebrew root, Yasha, meaning to save. If you believe in him, somehow you're beyond the pale. You're, you've been thrust out of the fold. And so we're, we are challenging in our city and worldwide that stereotype of who truly is a Jew. The, the disciples were all Jews, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, the early emissaries were Jews. The writers of the New Covenant, all Jews, with the possible exception of Luke. But we know he was a physician, so we assume he was Jewish. <laughs> and so all of the disciples were Jewish. The, the writers were Jewish. He spoke a, a, a Hebrew language. 
Why that makes us non-Jewish by believing in him, we'll never know. So we are challenging the status quo. It's interesting that uh, in town we're doing some outreach out in Balboa Park every Saturday afternoon, and we're giving out this book. Uh, some of your video viewers can see it called The Twelve Sons of Israel, ten, 12, uh, 10 Orthodox rabbis and two Reform Jewish rabbis who came to find out that Yeshua Jesus was the prophesied Messiah in the Holy Scriptures. And so we're out there at a very trafficked place in Balboa Park right next to the Natural History Museum, right next to the zoo there every Saturday afternoon. And we are giving out this book to Jewish people that pass by with a, with a postcard, an oversized postcard that says, it's a quote from Albert Einstein, and it says, what is right is not always popular. And what is popular is not always right. It's a classic line from Albert Einstein, and the back of the card says this, Einstein was not implying that what is unpopular, that the unpopular is always right, rather that popularity is not the ultimate measure of truth. So we are trying to be a little bit more bolder here with the message of Yeshua being the Jewish Messiah for our people and for the world. That is fantastic. I love it. Uh, and that quote is amazing. That is, an, that is true for so many issues we're dealing with today, because there are many things today going on that are uh, critically important. Um, in the news right now is the, the controversy over the Iran deal that, that America is striking the, uh, with, with Iran. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later on in, the, uh, in our show. But uh, it's absolutely true. You know, if we constantly uh, capitulate to the popular view, we're going to end up making a lot of bad decisions. And, and this uh, Iran deal is a horrible decision. You and I will probably both be attending a rally on Sunday here in San Diego. Stop Iran now. Uh, Wednesday night, there was a 12,000-person attended rally in, in Times Square. And with a $100 billion signing bonus to Iran to ink this deal, there's going to be more terror. We're going to see it. So we hope that uh, all who come out to these types of rallies throughout the country over the past number of days and over the next several weeks, and while, while, while members of Congress are in their home constituencies having town hall meetings and so on, that they will get the message that this is a horrible deal. It'll bring terror to the shores not only of Israel, but of the United States. So we're, we hope that it uh, that will do our job and, and will uh, impact members of Congress to, to uh, not sign on to this and to have a supermajority to override President Obama's veto on it as well. Yeah, absolutely. And for those of you who don't know what's going on with the, the controversy over Iran, uh, the United Nations just recently – uh, signed into law, with the U.S. being a part of that uh, constituency, signed into law, or not, I'm sorry, not signed into law, but made an agreement with Iran. Uh, f basically, we'll, we'll give the details soon here, but basically saying, look, it, if you lay off some of your nuclear developments for 10 years, uh, we'll give you uh, $100 billion, essentially, in the next year uh, by lifting sanctions, and uh, we'll only inspect certain nuclear facilities and anywhere else in the country, you have free reign. It's, it's really a, a bizarre uh, deal, in my opinion, and trying to figure out why in the world it's good for the United States of America or Israel or any of the surrounding countries there. I mean, even Saudi Arabia is concerned about it. Yeah, you know uh, you have a problem, and some of the Arab world has a problem with it as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, it's just bizarre. But um, before we get into that, a little bit more about what you're doing. Um, can you give a brief history of the Messianic Jewish movement, uh, Joel? Yeah, Kevin, it's funny because a lot of people do ask that question, how old are you as a movement? Well, we, I have two answers for them, and that is we're 2,000 years old as a movement, right, as I mentioned. But we're also about 45 years old, really, and there's a, a great history. Uh, we went strong as, as Jewish believers. We find them all through the book of Acts. We see them going strongly. Uh, in control of the faith, really, for the first three centuries or so. But there was a couple of different dynamics that took place over the early centuries. I like to call them the Jewish religious dynamic and the Gentile Christian dynamic that came into play. And it's, it's really, it's unflattering to church history. For those of you, I know you're an apologist, so you've studied church history, but there's a lot of quotes out there from Chrysostom and a lot of other church fathers that really took the faith in a non-Jewish direction. They had councils, uh, the most famous being the Council of Nicaea in 315 CE or AD. Outcomes of that council were very anti-Jewish. We couldn't celebrate Passover. Uh, on the date of Passover, it, it transitioned into Easter. There were a lot of things happening that took the faith in a non-Jewish direction. And it was always God's plan because the Gentiles needed to hear the good news of the Messiah. So it was not took God unaware. It was always God's plan to reach the world. But unfortunately, we had to go underground a little bit as a movement. And, uh, and we see a lot of dynamics that took place early on in the faith. Well, you know, my guest today is Rabbi Joel Lieberman. He's part of the Tree of Life congregation. He's the sp spiritual leader there uh, here in San Diego County. And we're having a great conversation. We're going to be right back, and he's going to continue to explain what it means to be a Messianic Jew. Um, as he was saying earlier, we're, he's kind of right in the middle. You know, he's, he's uh, embraced his Jewish heritage, but he's also embraced 
Jesus as the Messiah. And so what does that mean? Um, and how does that look different, um, you know, on a, on a Sabbath? What is, what is different about that than it is about going to um, your typical church? Um, and so stay with us. We'll be right back, and, and uh, we're having a great conversation. What do leading local restaurants have in common? They depend on Express Fix Coffee for new and used coffee and espresso machines, repairs, and affordable monthly service. Dave Martin and his local team provide water filtration services too. Call San Diego's best espresso repair company, serving your home and business. Learn more online at expressfixcoffee.com. Call Express Fix Coffee at 619-867-3853. 619-867-3853. Add historic American beauty to your home today with genuine Amish furniture. It's built in the USA from solid cherry wood with a bourbon finish. Or choose alternative woods and finishes to accent your home's decor. You'll find it all at Tucker's Valley Furniture. For over 65 years, the Tucker family has served San Diego County. Still family owned. Cash and Carry and Tucker's Valley Furniture. Two stores both right across the street at Main and Mollison in El Cajon. Learn more at tuckersvalleyfurniture.com. God is changing lives on the streets of Hillcrest. And City on a Hill San Diego engages the community, talking with people, listening to them, and sharing God's love. See the stories at cityonahillsandiego.com. This is your invitation to get involved. Join them for a new worship service the second Saturday of each month at 6 p.m. at Joyce Beers Uptown Community Center. Call for details, 619-354-2511, cityonahillsandiego.com. Sharing faith, hope, and love. Thanks for listening today. This is Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on AM 1170, The Answer in San Diego. You can also stream the show at am1170theanswer.com. My website is educateforlife.org, where you can listen to a recording of the show and previous shows. I also value your feedback. If you can uh, connect with me on Facebook or Twitter or my website, I'd love to hear from you. My guest today is ordained Messianic rabbi Joel Lieberman. And he, if you want to check out what he's doing, his website is treeoflifeca.org. That's treeoflifecalifornia.org. And he's serving as a spiritual leader for his Messianic Jewish congregation. But, uh, Joel, I want to continue to get a better grip on exactly how this is different from uh, what we would typically, I, I walk into a church on a Sunday. Uh, what could I expect if I walk into your congregation uh, um, to, to worship with your congregation and you? Well, Kevin, you'd find, obviously, uh, a lot of similar uh, liturgical practices, worship practices that you would find in any conservative uh, synagogue. We are Jews. That's part of who we are as DNA. If a Jew knows anything in the world, whether he's read his Bible, his or her Bible or not, is that they were born Jewish and that they're going to die Jewish. So when a Jewish person walks into our, our synagogue, our Messianic synagogue, they have to feel that comfort level. They don't want to feel like they've converted over to another foreign religion because, again, as I mentioned in the last segment, that's beyond the pale. Their family will write them off. Some families will actually have a funeral service for the individual. Oh, my goodness. So it's, there's a lot of peer and family pressure in that regard. So a Jewish person comes in, they hear the, the Shema, the call to worship from Deuteronomy 6.4. They'll, they'll find a lot of common liturgy, which puts them at ease. And then, then the music starts, and it's very lively music. It's, it's messianic worship and praise going back to the days of King David. Uh, it says in the Psalms that David actually danced before the Lord with all of his might. So we include electric guitars. We make it pretty relevant. And uh, that throws our Jewish people a little bit because a lot of Orthodox synagogues don't allow the instrumentation on Shabbat. They feel it's a violation of Shabbat practice, but we don't, we don't feel that by any means. So it's very lively Davidic worship. We have Israeli dance. And then I'll give a sermon based on either the Torah portion for that week or a new covenant portion. Uh, as well. And so uh, Jewish people feel comfortable from all streams. Christians that walk in as well have a number of reasons why they would be uh, wanting to worship with us. They, they're sick and tired of, uh, of hearing that the Jews did this, the Jews did that. They want to go to a, a, a congregation that has a, that has a high level of, uh, of, of respect for the Word of God and for Jewish people. They want to engage the Jewish roots of their faith. There's many reasons that, that are drawing both Jewish yeah. people and non-Jews to a Messianic and that, synagogue. That seems to really be a movement in the U.S. today is really uh, overwhelming support among um, evangelical Christianity for Israel. I mean, it's been ongoing, but I just, it, it's constant. Um, I see that. And I, I think it's fantastic. Praise the Lord for yeah, that. Yeah, Baruch Hashem. Praise the Lord. I think it was Time Magazine back in 2010 did a study of the top 10 trends that we will see over the next decade. Mm. And right in the middle of that 10-year period, and one of the top 10, I believe it was number nine, was Christians embracing their Jewish roots. 
So this is a trend, and we're seeing it. Thank God for churches like Skyline Church and others, Maranatha Chapel, uh, Shadow Mountain, that are embracing their Jewish roots. We're seeing it all throughout the world. And I think that's God's plan to rectify a 2,000-year-old schism we talked a little bit about in the last segment, to bring both Jew and non-Jew together. That was one of the Messiah's high priestly prayers as he left this planet from John chapter 17, that we might be one so the world would believe. Yeah. So when we start seeing both Jews and Gentiles together, worshiping together, honoring one another's tradition, culture, and heritage, it brings about world. It can bring about worldwide salvation, according to the Messiah. Wow, that's incredible. That's very, very exciting. Um, why don't you tell our listeners what time uh, your services are, so that they can, uh, if they want to come out and visit, that'd be that'd be. Awesome. Well, I appreciate the free publicity. We meet Saturday mornings, every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. at one one three three zero Campo Road. That's Highway ninety four at Hamasha Boulevard. It's actually in the, in the Skyline Church complex. We meet in the Family Center on the fourth floor. It's a lot a lot there for you. But just uh, think Skyline Church facility, Family Center, fourth floor, Saturday mornings. All are welcome. Uh, we don't have any formal membership, uh, just casual Dockers dress. If you want to wear jeans, that's fine. We're not sticklers on that. And, and we would love to come and meet you, whether you're from the nations, non-Jews, or whether you're one of our Jewish launsmen or our Jewish brothers. We're all in the olive tree together. That's fantastic. And I just want to give a kind of a, a kudos to Pastor or, or Rabbi Joel Lieberman. Uh, he has got one of the biggest smiles you'll ever see. So <clears throat> uh, you'll, be, you'll feel very welcomed and very loved if you join their congregation for worship on Saturday mornings. So, um, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine a while back, and he, he's Jewish, and he actually converted uh, from, well, I, you shouldn't say converted in, in this kind of a scenario, but he came to the conclusion that Jesus was the Messiah. And uh, he, like you said, his parents were very distraught over this, and in fact told him that they, they disowned him. And so if you're... If you're sharing the gospel, if you're talking about Jesus with somebody, uh, what is the way, what is the best way to be sensitive about that? Well, let's say there's somebody out there right now listening in our audience, and they themselves um, are Jewish, and they have not considered Jesus as the Messiah. What might you say to them um, is the best way to start looking into this, and why should they consider it? And why do you also, I've got a whole bunch of questions here for you, but why also are there so many Jews who today— even though there's overwhelming evidence uh, biblically, both, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, that Jesus fulfills um, the, the role of Messiah, the prophecies concerning the Messiah, why do so many Jews reject Jesus as the Messiah? And um, so I kind of grouped a bunch of questions in there. I'll let you tackle that however you want to. All great questions, Kevin. And for any Jewish listeners out there, listen, the entire New Testament, actually one-third of it, minimum, are quotations from the Tanakh, from the Old Covenant, many from the Book of Psalms. And so when I'm sharing with Jewish people, if I get that opportunity, I go back to their book, I go back to our book, the Prophecies, and I go to passages like Jeremiah chapter 31, and that foretells that this phenomenon would hit planet Earth. Jeremiah says in uh, verse 31 of chapter 31, Behold, the days are coming, it is a declaration of Adonai, or the Lord, when I will make a brit chadashah, a new covenant, with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Who is he making this to, Christians? No, he's making this to Jewish people. Not like the covenant I made, verse 32, with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, for they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, is a declaration of the Lord. But this is the covenant, verse 33, I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my Torah within them. Yes, I will write it on their heart. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And there are over 300 of these types of prophecies that foretell, really, the coming of the Messianic Jewish revival that we are seeing here today. Estimates run as high as 250,000 Jewish people around the world that have made the decision, come what may, that Jesus Yeshua is is fulfilled all of these 300 prophecies. Some are yet to be fulfilled. And so uh, we believe that those numbers are inflated because we only probably see 20 to 30,000 of those Jewish people have actually come into Messianic Jewish congregations to worship. A lot of them uh, have remained in, in non-Jewish congregations. Some don't attend anywhere. But there are 300 of these prophecies. So I start them back with their own book, which many of them unfortunately haven't read. We are people of the book, but we haven't read our own scriptures. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. And, um, you know, I was just recently studying the Dead Sea Scrolls, and I, I found it very interesting 
you know, one of the, the most important findings within the Dead Sea Scrolls is the Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, right, which is in the book of, uh, book of the Shrine Museum, I believe, uh, in, in Israel, right. in Jerusalem. And the Isaiah Scroll, Isaiah 53, uh, is in there. And it was my understanding that a lot of uh, Jews said, hey, listen, this prophecy, before this is before they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, this prophecy wasn't in here until Christians put it in there or manipulated the text. And so... Uh, you made it look like Jesus was the Messiah after the fact, but in reality, when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, they were able to demonstrate, no, this was in here prior uh, to Jesus even living. And therefore, uh, he, the evidence for him being the Messiah is incredible, and it's not written in after the fact. That's a true prophecy predicting and Jesus fulfilling who the the uh, the prophet would be, the Messiah would be. And uh, I'm going to let Joel answer or talk more on this. I can tell he's he's about to jump out of his seat to talk here. <laughs> but um, we're coming up on a break here. And uh, we've got a lot more time left with Joel. So uh, thanks for tuning in. He is a uh, Messianic rabbi here in San Diego County and a very special guest. We'll be talking about all kinds of interesting stuff that's relevant to Israel and to uh, the Jewish people and to uh, to everybody, really, when it comes down to it. Uh, Jesus is the Messiah for all people. So we'll be right back. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teachings. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. A lot is riding on your car's safety and performance. Count on Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service in Oceanside for a full range of affordable options. See their great customer reviews and special offers online. Call Dan and his team at 760-439-1631. Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard. Honesty, integrity, and quality service. ASC, BBB, and NAPA certified. 760-439-1631. Thanks for tuning in to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on AM 1170, The Answer, in San Diego every Sunday, 4 to 5 p.m. You can also stream the show at am1170theanswer.com. And my website is educateforlife.org. Now, my ministry is to help people answer the hard questions about the Bible. And this is one of the hard questions, you know. <clears throat> we deal with all kinds of issues regarding religion. Uh, we deal with Muslim beliefs, Buddhist beliefs, Mormon beliefs, Jehovah's Witness beliefs, and then we, we deal with Judaism, too, because what, what is the hard question when we're dealing with Judaism? That is, very specifically, is Jesus the Messiah or is he not? Uh, is he the Messiah that the Jews in the Old Testament expected to come to save to save them, or is he not? And that's that's an important question to look into, explore, and ultimately come to a good, solid, informed conclusion about. So we left off uh, with me asking Rabbi Joel Lieberman, my guest today, why it is that some very smart people out there, um, uh, you know, there's a lot of very, very uh, famous and knowledgeable Jews. Einstein uh, is just one example, but there's many throughout history who have contributed in incredibly to uh, science and uh, history and everything else. So my question, uh, Rabbi Joel, is why is it that they have not come to the conclusion that Jesus is the Messiah? And you started to share with us on that, but I, I wanted to give you more uh, t time to talk about the prophecies in Isaiah and Isaiah and so forth. Yeah, there is a lot of... Um misinformation out there. By the way, Isaiah 53 is not one of the scheduled Haftorah or prophet readings in the weekly cycle in the synagogue. So our people are not reading from Isaiah 53. So if it was mistranslated, then why isn't it being read in synagogues today? There Has there been, I challenge our, our Jewish listeners, has there been a 2,000-year cover-up of who the Messiah is? Now, I'm not a conspiracy theorist by nature, but this seems like a conspiracy of the nastiest sorts. I, I was mentioning to you in the first segment that uh, we're out there at Balboa Park giving out this book regarding 10 Orthodox rabbis that did come to the, conclu the conclusion. These were 
were solid rabbis, many of them from uh, Eastern Europe, but that immigrated to the United States. I'm looking at the first one in this book, uh, Rabbi Leopold Kohn uh, from Hungary. Uh, he began to study, the, the, this uh, chapter goes on his bio here, of the original predictions of the prophets. However, the very contemplation of the act filled him with fear, for according to the teachings of the rabbis, quote, cursed are the bones of him who calculates the time of the end. That's from the uh, Babylonian Talmud, Tractate Sanhedrin 97b. And so he began to look at the 24th verse of the chapter, uh, chapter 9 in the book of Daniel. He says he deduced without difficulty that the coming of the Messiah should have taken place 400 years after Daniel received the prophecy of the 70 weeks from the divine messenger. It was not long before he began to question in, the, in his mind the reliability of the Talmud, seeing that it, in matters so vital it differed from the Holy Scripture. So you walk into most synagogues today and they put the oral law on par with the Holy Scriptures. Now, the oral law came hundreds of years. It was compiled, redacted after when the you, Scriptures. When you say the oral law, for our audience, can you explain exactly what that is? Well, the so-called oral law, I believe it's Exodus chapter 12, says that Moses came down from the mountain, Mount Sinai, and wrote down all the words of the Lord. So we as Messianic Jews don't believe there's any such thing as an oral law. Great commentaries. I love reading some of the commentary, just like my, you might love reading some of the Church Fathers' commentary on the Scriptures, but it's not holy writ. And so we make that delineation, we make that distinction. So if Jewish people come in and are looking for Talmud classes, I'll point them down to the Orthodox synagogue down the road, because we don't equate it as Holy Writ. Great opinions, but by men. Mm, okay, that's a, good, that's a good distinction for us to understand there. And, um, you know, I've, uh, in studying this, I've noticed, I, this, this, I had a weird conversation happen. I was talking to an atheist. Um, she was actually the, the president of the atheist um, group here in San Diego at the time. And she said to me, I, I said, we were just having a conversation, a casual conversation. She says to me, yeah, I go over to the synagogue all the time. And uh, I spend time there at the synagogue. And I, this really threw me off at the time. Now I understand why. But at the time I, I said, what do you mean you go to the synagogue? Uh, why would you do that? You're, you, that's Judaism. And she said, oh, no, no. She said, uh, it's very atheistic. She said, uh, we at the synagogue, it's more of self-help and, and so forth. And can you speak to this? Is that is that really the case uh, among? Unfortunately, I think in segments of Christianity as well, you'll find a lot of self-help uh, folks that are out there as pastors, even with mega churches. And I'm not going to call out any names here, but I think Jewish people have lost their way. Even uh, not only reform have lost their way with liberal causes and and. But even the conservative, they don't believe that the scriptures are holy writ, even in conservative Judaism as well as reform, meaning the bulk of Judaism does not believe the story of the Exodus. How did we get out of Egypt and remain as a people? But they don't believe that the Red Sea parted. They don't believe that. So if you don't believe that the Bible is true, where are you going to start? So I'm not surprised that this, uh, that this atheist friend of yours, whatever synagogue she walked into, felt comfortable because they're not proclaiming the Tanakh. They're not proclaiming the Torah. They don't believe it's holy writ. Mm. It's really a sad thing. And likewise, we find in, in some segments of Christianity, a lot of self-help uh, rather than uh, the true help that will, set, that will set somebody free from sin and, and have Zoe have, have life uh, here as well. Yeah. Uh, by the way, if you're interested, uh, whether you're Jewish or not, there's a great movie out there called um, uh, The Search for the Real Mount Sinai, uh, which does an excellent job of demonstrating the reality of the Red Sea uh, crossing, and uh, actually, uh, I mean, I can't dogmatically state that it's accurate, but it looks really good, the argument they make for uh, the real Mount Sinai and uh, the, the, the rock that was struck by Moses causing the water to come out. Also, a, another great resource that's coming out brand new next month is called Patterns of Evidence, and this is all about the Israelites' stay in Egypt, and it's an incredible uh, they're, they're going through all the most recent archaeological finds validating the Israel's stay uh, in Egypt and the time frames of when it was. They, uh, they deal with all the issues regarding what Pharaoh was in charge at the time and the conflicts that have been there over that, and it's phenomenal. So uh, I encourage you to take the time to do your due diligence. And again, kind of like, like what uh, Rabbi Joel uh, said is that a lot of people— you know, they come to their conclusions without actually even reading the Bible. And so it's not that they've made an informed decision. It's that they've made an uninformed decision just based on what other people are saying. Um, I challenge you to do your own research. You know, God is not hiding. Um, the Bible says, Christ says, 
uh, seek the truth, right? Uh, the truth will set you free. And so the point being is, is that when you seek truth, you're, if, if Jesus is true, you're going to end at Jesus. And you don't have to be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of the truth. The truth is the priority. Uh, and sometimes we're afraid to seek the truth because we're afraid it's going to rock the boat. But, but you know what? Ultimately, it's worth it. And Christ uh, placed truth as as the pinnacle, uh, over 78 times in the New Testament, he says, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. He's here for you, and he's here to tell you the truth. So uh, continuing on here, uh, Rabbi Joel, um, you know, there does seem to be this trend where Jews and Christians are coming together. And um, what do you foresee as far as, you know, politically, uh, Jews have typically uh, voted Democrat Um is my understanding, but there's a lot of uh, controversy kind of coming into the forefront here because a lot of Democrats are supporting the deal with Iran, and uh, a lot of Jews are going, wait a second, and I heard this controversy just in the past week with uh, Chuck Schumer in New York, he's a senator in New York, who says he's the hero of the Jews, and yet he's waffling back and forth on whether to support the, uh, the Iran deal or to support Israel, which says, no, 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 this is really bad. Don't even do this. And so a lot of his Jewish constituency is uh, struggling with this. I'm going to let Pastor, uh, Pastor and Rabbi Joel Lieberman uh, answer this question as soon as we get back um, from our break here. In 1947, Gordon Tucker began serving San Diego County families. Today, the family tradition continues with two stores, Tucker's Valley Furniture and Cash and Carry, both right across the street in El Cajon at Maine and Mollison. Whether you want today's modern, eco-friendly furniture or authentic Amish furniture from solid cherry wood built in America, let the Tucker family serve your family. Learn more at tuckersvalleyfurniture.com. A proud sponsor of Educate for Life with Kevin Conover. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. Not all home inspections are created equal. Joe DeMars and his team at Housemaster have performed inspections in San Diego for 22 years plus and performed over 10,000 inspections for commercial, multiple family, apartments, and residential. Call before you buy or sell. You'll have confidence knowing the true condition of the property. Call 619-660-7866, sandiego.housemaster.com. Home inspections, done right, guaranteed. 619-660-7866. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on AM 1170, The Answer, in San Diego. You can also stream the show at am1170theanswer.com, and my website is educateforlife.org. Uh, my, my guest today is, is Rabbi Joel Lieberman. Real, real blessed to have him. He has a Messianic congregation here in San Diego. If you're interested in attending, they meet every Saturday at 10 a.m. You can also check out their website, Tree of Life. CA.org. That's Tree of Life, California.org. And uh, you will be incredibly blessed if you uh, show up and, and spend time worshiping with them, whether you are Jewish, whether you are Christian, whether you're just looking into whether Jesus is the Messiah or not. Wherever you're at, um, you're welcome and uh, you'll have a great time. So <clears throat> I just left off in our last segment with asking uh, Rabbi Joel about what's happening, the trends that are happening politically with the Iran deal and with the fact that uh, a lot of uh, Jews are becoming uncomfortable with the fact that a lot of Democrats are supporting Iran, it seems, over Israel. Israel is saying, hey, don't do the deal with Iran. The U.S., as a part of the, the U.N. voting, already decided to make an agreement with Iran. Now it's up to Congress. So Congress is set to vote sometime around September on whether to support the president's, uh, President Obama's decision to make this deal with Iran. 
And so there's a lot of controversy going back and forth now, and, and people's jobs are on the line because if a senator votes wrong, he can end up uh, being voted out of office. Uh, what do you think about this, uh, Rabbi Joel? Well, I think it's one of the unfortunate topics of Judaism in that we have lost our way in terms of finding out who the Messiah is, but I think we've lost our way politically as well. As, as you mentioned, Jewish people tend to vote two to one on the liberal side, on the Democratic side, uh, overwhelmingly for Barack Obama in 20, uh, 2008, also in 2012. But I think as... Uh, we are seeing, like this deal with Iran, Jewish people have to be secure in knowing that Israel is able to defend itself. It has uh, its borders are 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 totally defensible. Uh, there's a push to get uh, uh, Israel to go back to the pre-1960 or actually the 1948 borders. And Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and his Likud party in in in, in the uh, Knesset is not going to go with that. So our Jewish people, that is the number one issue on people's minds today. Jewish people, even more than the economy, is. Is Israel going to be safe? And so Jewish people are now looking to some of these 16 Republican candidates. Most of them are trying to cater now to the Jewish vote, uh, wisely so. Uh, and most of them are now, are now uh, high-talking Israel. And it's a good thing to see most, if not all, the 16 Republican candidates were still 19 months away from any election, many months away from the first primary in, in Iowa and New Hampshire, that are recognizing that what comes to Israel is going to come to the United States. In Islam, you know, it's the little Satan versus the big Satan. And if we don't take care of business, if we don't allow Israel, in my opinion, to make a preemptive strike in Iran, now that's not a popular uh, thing to talk about here in the United States, but that's really the only alternative to not inking a deal with Iran is to go in and, and, and just bomb the heck out of the centrifuges and, and all of the, the, the nuclear uh, matter as well. Yeah, it, it's, it's horrible. Um, just to catch people up on exactly what's happening, uh, on Monday, July 20th, the Iran deal was approved by the UN. Essentially what this does is Iran has inspections and restrictions for 10 years, but only on specific nuclear sites. No inspection rights anywhere else. Iran will very likely get about $100 billion in the first year once the agreement is uh, signed and, and complete, uh, which they can, they can do whatever they want with that. After 10 years, everything gets even easier for Iran to build state-of-the-art nuclear weapons out in the open. They, they literally can do it out in the open, no problem at all, after 10 years. Congress is voting in September. Ob Obama only needs about a third of Congress to vote for it. He doesn't need any Republican votes. So Democrats, there, there have to be Democrats in Congress that vote against this in order for uh, it to be over, overturned. And I want to, this is a quote from uh, Iran's supreme leader, the Ayatollah Khamenei, uh, he said on March 21st, I believe it was, this was, um, that the deal does not limit Iran's aggression in any way. And just uh, maybe a week ago, two weeks ago, he made this statement. The United States, he said, embodies global arrogance, and the battle against it will continue unabated even after the nuclear agree agreement is concluded. It's unbelievable that in the face of a statement like that, by their supreme leader, um, we are willing to strike this deal, giving them incredible uh, power to develop nuclear weapons. And one last point on this. Um, while the UN, while this deal was being in Vienna, this deal was being struck, uh, the, the president, who's considered a moderate in Iran, was attending a rally in Tehran where people were burning American flags, saying death to America and death to Israel. Um, I can't uh, it, this just seems like we've gone into the twilight zone, some sort of weird, bizarro land uh, that people, intelligent people, are making decisions that seem so opposite of, of what should be done. And uh, so I just encourage you, there's a lot of rallies going on out there supporting Israel and uh, trying to stop this Iran deal. Uh, get involved with that. Um, this Sunday, the, the, we're airing this show this Sunday, 4 to 5 p.m., and uh, that's the 26th. And there is, at Balboa Park, a big rally going on to, uh, to, to say, hey, we don't like this Iran deal. This is a bad thing. And it's critical, Kevin, because Dianne Feinstein has already made up her mind. She feels that Israel is going to be safer because of an agreement like this. Barbara Boxer, if she's not already on board with it, these are our, our senators. I think there's 43 that have to flip over on the Democratic side for us to have the supermajority to be able to block the president. But I think even the president going to the United Nations that Kerry and Obama went to the U.N. first to begin even implementing now some of the, some of the ramifications of this particular uh, agreement. Uh, I'm not sure if it's an agreement or a treaty, but there are issues in terms of 
is is this even going to be able to be affected by Congress at all? Have they since they've gone to the UN? Is that going to take precedence over the 60-day uh, cooling-off period? So it's going to be interesting to see how it's all parsed out by all the attorney type of uh, folks in Washington. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, let's. Uh, I want to end the show on a positive note, though. I want to focus on the good things that your congregation is doing. And uh, I wanted to ask you about that. What kind of things is the, the Messianic Jewish movement as a whole? You know, how many people in the U.S. or even around the world, if you know the answer to this, how many people are Messianic Jews uh, and, and what are they doing uh, to make a difference in the world for, for good. Thanks for the question, uh, Kevin. I think our detractors inflate our numbers, and I'll, I'll take any publicity quite honestly, but the figures actually go up to 350,000 around the world, Yehudim Meshachim, Messianic Jews. Uh, as I mentioned, probably only 25 to 30,000 are actually matriculated into Messianic Jewish congregations. But we are having a tremendous impact, not only here in the U.S., but around the world, especially in Israel. Uh, 20 years ago or so, we just felt like we received a prophetic unction from the Lord to begin preparing, as in the days of Joseph. And we developed a project called the Joseph Project in partnership with our Christian brothers, in partnership with Feed the Children's, in partnership with Walmarts and Targets and, and folks that want to get rid of, of top quality goods, but overruns and so on. And so to date, we've uh, brought over $100 million in 40-foot containers of humanitarian aid that bless social service agencies in Israel, that bless the IDF with bulletproof glass and other things, uh, with schools, orphanages, uh, so, uh, hospitals. And we've been doing this. We have many different facilities. You know, Israel, for all these years since it's been a state since 1948, has only known from cash gifts, not only from Christians, but from the Jewish community, from the Jewish National Fund, and so on. But we have, uh, we've run the bureaucracy, we've run the red tape, we can get a container of goods that only costs $10,000 really in taxes to get into Israel to bless not only Jewish people, but our Arab half-brothers as well. We're blessing hundreds of thousands in the land because one out of three children are below the poverty line in Israel, $314 a month. We are preparing for the time of war, and hopefully this summer won't be another lost summer as we saw last summer with the Gaza Initiative. But Jewish people are desperately needing help, and we are there as both Jews and Christians helping in the olive tree to meet those needs along the way in Israel today. That's fantastic. That's really good news. Well, we have one more segment left with uh, Rabbi Joel Lieberman. I hope you've enjoyed the show so far. We're going to end on a great note and uh, talk about what is going to happen in the future with Israel and what does he see prophetically happening with the Messianic Jewish movement and Israel and uh, Christianity as a whole. So uh, we'll be right back. For 36 years, Fastlane Kayaking has helped people like you experience everything that's great about San Diego. Fastlane makes fishing and water sports fun and easy. Hobie Cat kayaks feature a popular pedal system, not paddles, keeping your hands free as you fish. You no longer need to tow and gas up a boat to experience great San Diego fishing. Call or come in for your no-charge demo ride, 619-222-0766, fastlanesailing.com. At Dana Landing Marina across from SeaWorld, 619-222-0766. What do leading local restaurants have in common? They depend on Express Fix Coffee for new and used coffee and espresso machines, repairs, and affordable monthly service. Dave Martin and his local team provide water filtration services too. Call San Diego's best espresso repair company, serving your home and business. Learn more online at expressfixcoffee.com. Call Express Fix Coffee at 619-867-3853. 619-867-3853. In 1947, Gordon Tucker began serving San Diego County families. Today, the family tradition continues with two stores, Tucker's Valley Furniture and Cash and Carry, both right across the street in El Cajon at Maine and Mollison. Whether you want today's modern, eco-friendly furniture or authentic Amish furniture from solid cherry wood built in America, let the Tucker family serve your family. Learn more at tuckersvalleyfurniture.com. A proud sponsor of Educate for Life with Kevin Conover. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My guest today is Rabbi Joel Lieberman. We're on AM 1170, The Answer in San Diego. And you can stream the show at am1170theanswer.com all over the world. My website is educateforlife.org. And we've been discussing all all kinds of uh, very interesting subjects, the news with the Iran deal, uh, politics, what's happening, uh, you know, why some Jews don't believe Jesus is the Messiah, and uh, what the Messianic Jewish movement is all about. And uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, Rabbi Joel, as we finish off today's show, um, what do you see ahead concerning uh, spiritual trends in general and also for Israel prophetically? And uh, how does the Messianic Jewish movement play into that? 
Well, Kevin, as you know, and I uh, probably most of your uh, viewers and listeners would understand that Israel really is at the center of biblical prophecy. You can't turn a page in scriptures, whether it's Old or New Covenant, and not find that Israel is the center of biblical prophecy. I believe, you know, over the last 25 or so years, we've seen an exodus from the land of the north. Over one million Jewish people have come out. According to Jeremiah chapter 16, I believe God wants his Jewish people out of these lands in the north before he brings judgment. Over one million have already come out. I think there's more to come. We're going to, I believe, see the building of Israel's third temple. It's not just a a, a spiritualized allegorical uh, uh, idea. I believe there's going to be, it says in Malachi chapter 3, that Messiah is going to come to his temple. So I believe we're going to see that. Now, that's going to be difficult today because we've got the Mosque of Omar there, but they could just rebuild that thing. Uh, to the left a few hundred yards or, or, or whatever. But and it will probably take about a year to do that. They're already uh, planning to do it. They have the instruments. The Levites are getting trained up. I believe that no deal regarding Jerusalem is going to get inked until the status of the Temple Mount uh, is, is, is rectified. Israel is going to go through, I believe, Scripture tells us, a time of sudden destruction. In First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 3, we know that, is, that there's going to be a renewed time of biological warfare, chemical, traditional warfare, soon to break out between Israel and several of her Islamic neighbors. Uh, We've seen Israel be victorious in the 1948 war, the 56 Sinai campaign, the Six-Day War in 1967, the Yom Kippur War. We've seen it recently as well. But Jeremiah chapter 51 and 52, and I'm, I'm sorry to go back to scriptures, but this is our blueprint here, states that an end time Babylon is actually going to be raised up against Israel, but will be destroyed. And so I, be, I believe that is going to be the beginning of the end of Islam, and that God is going to release our Arab brothers to, to see truly who the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is, and to show that Islam uh, uh, Allah is a false god. And so we see that in 1 Thessalonians 5.3. There's going to be abomination that causes devastation. We see all these things are tracking prophetically. Israel is going to be at the center of prophecy. So if you're a Christian today, if you're a Jewish person today, you want to get on the right side of God. You want to stand with Israel no matter what uh, the political uh, climate is. Israel is at the center of God's plan. Behold, I will bless you, God says in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. I will bless those who what? Bless you. And it's often misquoted, Kevin, because the next verse says, and I will curse him who curses you. In other words, if you're stupid enough to be the one person that's going to curse Israel, you're going to pay the price for that. So are we going to be a sheep nation as the United States? I go through my Bible. I don't see the United States anywhere here in prophecy. And maybe the Lord has left us. Maybe he's left the United States into our own destiny. We don't see them having an impact anywhere. Maybe we're so irrelevant in biblical prophecy. Maybe God's left destiny into our own hands. And so that's why we see all these Iran rallies. We need to step up now as believers in Yeshua, Jesus, both Jew and Gentile. We're going to stand up for Israel and the world. It's God's land. It's been leased to our Jewish people. Mm-hmm. The borders of the land are not just what we see today. It's actually from the river Nile to the, to the great river, the river Euphrates. Now that goes into modern Western Iraq. So we're talking about the West Bank, quote unquote, in the news today, but God's dealing with the East Bank when yeah. it comes to comes to his borders. Wow, that's that's amazing stuff. Yeah, that that I mean, it's crazy to me because you know uh, you know who Joel Rosenberg is. Sure. Yeah, I mean his books. It's kind of like what you're saying. You know, you go back to scripture, and everything we're seeing happening is in the scriptures. It's 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 happening right before our eyes, and the Bible once again is validating itself through prophecy. And Joel Rosenberg wrote these books. I mean, his most recent book is The Third Target, and and it's all about what's happening in the news today. But he's coming back to the Bible, looking at it, and saying, "How would this play out in world history?" Then he writes it, and then it happens. And um, and for those of you in our audience who don't know, Joel Rosenberg, he wrote a book, one of his first books which actually talks about terrorists um, destroying uh, buildings in America with airplanes. They actually wouldn't release his books because they said, hey, uh, if, if, you, if we release this book, they're going to think you had something to do with it. It's too specific. It's too close. But the reality is, is when we look at the Bible, when we study prophecy, we see that everything that's happening in the world today is predicted in the Bible. And I appreciate all that you're doing. Uh, listen, it's, it's a shame that science has to catch up to the scriptures. Mm-hmm. It's a shame that archaeology, that we are finding the chariot wheels uh, in the Red Sea today. These are all things that, that science is catching up to, archaeology is catching up to. This is a timely book. These scriptures were written over thousands of years, has the ring of truth by 40-plus authors. This is our guidepost. This is our, our, our guide for living. And it's unfortunate that most people uh, today have not actually opened this up and cracked the pages of it because it is just as relevant as the New York Times, the Washington Post today. Yeah, absolutely. Amen. Um, and I want to I want to leave you guys with uh, the, the, our listeners. I want to leave you with, you know, Jesus is the Messiah. What does that mean, uh, Joel? Uh, can you share with us 
what was the hope of the Jews about the Messiah? What was this guy supposed to do for everybody? What was so great about him? Um, we know he was specifically the Messiah of the Jews, but what is he doing for the whole world, this guy, Jesus, and this Jewish Messiah? Well, Kevin, if he's not the Jewish Messiah, he's nobody's Messiah. We had a sin problem that went way back into the Garden of Eden, and God was at work trying to rectify that, and he did it legally. He brought it through, through an Alma, through a virgin. A lot of Jewish people say, well, Isaiah 9, 6, it doesn't talk about a virgin. No, it is a virgin. It's an Alma, not a Betula, not a young maiden. So Hebrew is very important, and the original languages are very important. We have, you know, it's like when we read our English Bibles, oftentimes we're looking at something through, through a veil. Uh, but the Messiah was here to rectify, to come twice in history, to come and to be a suffering servant. Our Jewish people were looking for a conquering king to overthrow Rome in that first century, their oppressors, but they didn't understand the prophecies when it was a, a, a two-coming Messiah. He would come to suffer and die for the sins of the world, not only for Jewish people, but for the entire world. We all had that sin problem. We were born into sinful, sinful nature. And then to return as a coming king to, to recon, reconcile us back to himself. So there was a twofold purpose. Unfortunately, our Jewish people uh, missed him, but we didn't all miss him. It says in the book of Acts chapter 6, a great company of Kohanim, of priests, became obedient to the faith. This was a tremendous movement in that first century. Don't let anybody tell you that, that, that all the Jewish people dismissed him as the Messiah. Uh, the gospel is very clear. He had quite a following. Uh, even up to 700,000 Jewish believers in that first century followed him. We went underground for about 2,000 years. God kind of put us on a shelf, so to speak. But God said, after two days, I will revive you. The book of Joel, two days, a day is under the Lord is a thousand years, a thousand years is under a day. And on the third day, I will raise you up. So we're coming into that third day uh, when, when he's, when he's uh, turning back his focus upon Israel, focus upon Jewish people. He's ransoming him, them back to himself. But we have to deal as human beings with the sin problem. We need a covering as we had at Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Well, the temple's been destroyed since 70 C. How are we getting our sacrifices met for sin? And so that's the issue today. Do we have a blood sacrifice? And that is our challenge. Messiah paid for it. It was legal. A man without sin paid the price for all eternity. And so that's what our message is to our people. That's great. You know, um, for all you listening out there, I want you to know, you know, on a real personal level, Jesus Christ loves you. Um, he gave his life for yours, right? Uh, I, I, all the time when I, I go down to the beach and I share the gospel and, uh, I ask people, have you ever, how many lies have you told in your whole life, right? Everybody answers, too many to count. Have you ever stolen anything, even if it's small? Yeah, I've stolen things. Have you ever used God's name in vain, right? <clears throat> yeah, I've used God's name in vain. I've used it as a cuss word, right? I, I stub my toe, something goes wrong. I use God's name in vain. That's blasphemy. That's, that's using the God who gave you life, his name is a cuss word. Um, we're all sinners who fall short. Jesus gave his life so that you don't have to die. He gave his life. So give your life to him, and you have eternal life. Thanks for being with us. Uh, Joel, thank you so much uh, for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate all that you're doing as well. Absolutely. And uh, we'll be back next week, 4 to 5 p.m., and I uh, hope you can join us. join us. Have a great evening. God bless you, and uh, we'll see you next week. Educate for Life with Kevin Conover, a regular feature on AM 1170, The Answer. Learn more about Kevin and his work online at his website, educateforlife.com. That's educateforlife.com. You'll find great resources, ideas, and even video classes there to help you grow and understand what in the world is happening. Encourage your friends to listen for great guests and intelligent analysis of the stories that shape our lives. Educate for Life with Kevin Conover, exclusively on AM 1170, The Answer. Bring your tired and bring your shame Bring your guilt and bring your pain Don't you know that's not your name Educate for Life on AM 1170. The Answer is sponsored by EducateForLife.org.